Uh, well, like I said, uh, the title of today's message is Knowing God the Father, but before we dive into that, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you. This is the day that you have made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place to have your way. Uh, we thank you that it is you doing all the speaking, all the thinking, all the ministry uh, that we receive on today. May we hear your voice behind the word that goes forth today. Uh, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise for the victory that comes from it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, today my goal is to help you know God your Father. Amen. To know God your Father in a better way so that you can find, if you're lacking it, the security for your life based on who he is and what he has done. Now, you might say, well, what do you mean by security? It's very interesting. We were talking, a few of us, a few months ago about the condition of man and what many, not, man, not just man, physical man, but humankind. And we were talking about a lot of the things that we see in society today, and we traced a lot of it back to this word called insecurity. Everybody say insecurity. insecurity. But insecurity, we, we, as we looked at that even deeper, we found that insecurity in our lives often comes from a lack of identity. We sin, we do different things a lot of times just because we're not secure in who we are and often we're not secure in who we are because we don't know whose we are. Many people are lost because they don't know whose they are and better than that, where they come from. It's interesting because as an African American, um, there's a lot of conversation that we have um, in our culture about where we come from. This thing, Ancestry.com, I don't know if you guys have taken those tests, but I've taken the test, and, and many black folks have taken that test, trying to figure out what part of Africa do we come from. It's interesting because in our congregation, we have folks from Nigeria and places like that, and they know exactly where they come from. There's an identity, there's a culture, and because of that, there's a confidence and there's a pride that they carry that many African Americans ourselves do not carry. Why? Because we have no idea specifically where it is we come from. Somebody said, well, you come from America. Yeah, but we didn't originate here. And many people can trace, I'm from this village, on this block, in this area of the community. We have this language, and there's a bunch of people there that look just like me. And it just provides a different security. And I begin to parallel that to the body of Christ and many Christians. And many Christians are facing the same dilemma because although they know about God and although they know about Christianity, they really don't know and haven't really identified who he is, what he's about, and so they don't know really where they come from. So they go through life every day and they go through life every year trying to discover who they are based on not knowing who he is. So you, you sit and you hear messages or you sit and you hear songs or you sit and you try your best to read through the Bible and you come from an understanding and you always seem like you, you get half of what the truth is. But you never seem to find your way home. Today I pray that by the time we get to the end of this message you'll know who God is and you'll discover what he's prepared for you and you'll discover what's truly your home in him. Amen. Amen. Let's continue to talk a little bit about fathers and the importance of fathers. Um, many of you know this, but I, for the sake of others, I'll just read through this. When you have a father, it is so much better for the life of a child. Would you agree? Amen. Yeah. Uh, here's some facts I found online about 
having fathers in the home and not only just having them in the home, but having fathers who are engaged. How many of you guys know what I mean by engaged? Uh, it's just another word for involved. Here's some facts about, or 10 facts about fathers and father engagement. It's a fact that fathers and infants can be equally as attached as mothers and infants. When both parents are involved with the child, infants are attached to both parents from the beginning of life. Number two, father involvement is related to positive child health outcomes in infants, such as improved weight gain in preterm infants and improved breastfeeding weights. Number three, father involvement uses authoritative parenting, loving and with clear boundaries and expectation. This often leads to better emotional academic, social, and behavioral outcomes for children. Number four, children who feel a closeness to their father are twice as likely as those who do not to enter college or find stable employment after high school. 75% less likely to have a teen birth, 80% less likely to spend time in jail, and half as likely to experience multiple depression symptoms. Hmm. Number five, fathers occupy a critical role in child development. Father absence hinders development from early infancy through childhood and into adulthood. The psychological harm of a father absent, being absent, experienced during childhood persists throughout the life course. And many of us have seen that and maybe even experienced that, where somebody who didn't have a dad at home seems to struggle as they get older. Now, I mean, guys know there's a solution to all this, right? Okay, some of y'all are like, oh, Jesus, it's, it's going to be all right. Number six, the quality of a father-child relationship matters more than the specific uh, amount of hours spent together. Non-resident fathers can still have a positive effect on children's social and emotional well-being. So even though dad's not at home, how I many guys know him being engaged is still just as important? As well as academic achievement and behavioral adjustment. Number seven, high levels of father involvement are correlated with higher levels of sociability, confidence, and self-control in children. Children with involved fathers are less likely to act out in school or engage in risky behaviors in adolescence. Children with actively involved fathers are 43% more likely to earn A's in school and 33% less likely to repeat a grade than those without engaged dads. Father engagement, number nine, reduces the frequency of behavioral problems in boys while also decreasing delinquency and economic disadvantage in low-income families. Father engagement reduces psychological problems and rates of depression in young women. Overall, the impact that fathers and father figures can make is substantial, would you agree? Just as there are many positive aspects of father involvement, the effects of father absence can be detrimental as well. Now, this is in the natural. In the natural, all this is saying is not having fathers engaged and around and involved can be a very bad thing. But I have good news for you today that you have a father who is indeed God the Father who is not only available but is always active and engaged in your life. 
See, even if you don't have a father here on earth or you didn't have a present father here on earth or if you're a single mom out here and you hear those statistics and you say, well, what about me? Should I run out and get me a father for my kids? I'm here to tell you that you already have a father for your kids. You already have a father for your life. His name is Abba Father, God the Father. He is indeed your creator. He indeed loves you and nothing can separate you from that love. So getting to know him who is already engaged is indeed the solution for your life. The Bible tells us if we go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it's the first time we see the word father mentioned. The word father is mentioned in the New Testament 970 times. Now, how many of you guys know that's a lot of times? And that's, a, that's an important thing. But I want to show you the first time it's mentioned so we can study a little bit about this word and learn what indeed is a father, according to the Bible. Genesis 2.24, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his what? His father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So this is the very first time we see the word father. So in the Bible, again, we've talked about this before, about the law of first mention. If you're trying to look at a word or define a word, it's good to see the first time it was mentioned and use that as your foundational definition for the other times you see it. So I looked at this word in my concordance, and it's a Hebrew word, and it's A-B, alpha, bravo, A-B, but it's pronounced instead of ab, it's pronounced av. Everybody say av. So that's the way you pronounce it. And what that word means, it's a father of an individual, of God as father of his people, a head or founder of a household, group, family, or clan. It's also meant to be a word that's called an ancestor. It's an originator or a patron of a class, a producer, a generator. Uh, it's a term of respect and honor, and it can also mean ruler or chief. So this word av, when you see it in the Bible, that's the word for father. And as you heard in those definitions, one of the main terms it's used for, reasons it's used, is to describe God as our father. So when you think about fathers, I think about my dad and I think about, uh, you know, I come from a home where my parents, you know, uh, separated when I was younger and I had a, my biological father and then I have uh, what we call a stepfather, but at least, you know, he's my dad as far as I'm concerned. Uh, then I have father-in-laws and things like that. And I begin to think about fathers and who fathers are and what do fathers do. Here's four things a father should always do as I compare this to God the Father in the Bible. The first thing a father should always do is project. Project. The second thing a father should always do is provide. The third thing a father should always do is protect. And the fourth thing a father should always do is produce. So I'll say those again. The first thing a father should do is project. Project what? Well, a lot of times if you had dads like mine, they'll project their voice. Amen? Project their voice. Now, what, what is it doing when God projects his voice? Well, whenever he's speaking to us, he's not just yelling at us. He's projecting his voice. He's sharing vision. He's sharing instruction. He's giving direction. Or he also could be giving correction. So a father should always be projecting, but he's projecting something very specifically. He's projecting his voice, and when he's doing that, he's sharing vision, instruction, direction, and correction. A father provides. He provides what? He provides for you. 
I, I have a hard time seeing any father who doesn't provide and considering you're an actual father. Now you can take that whatever way you want to, but I, you know, I can't, in my household, you know, I can't say I'm, I'm my children's father, yet they go without. Well, where do you get that from? How can you say that? It sounds like you're judging me. I'm not judging you. I'm just looking at the example of God, my father, and I know he has provided all that I need. And if I want to be a father, if I want to be a dad, I want to be more like him and ensure that my household, especially my children, have all that they need. As a father, I'm anointed, I am anointed to provide. If you understand that, say amen. What was the third one I gave you? Absolutely, a father protects. Protects who? His household. A father protects you. And then the last one was a father produces Guess what? For you. Somebody said it a second ago as I was thinking about this and really getting into this. I came to the conclusion that a father exists truly for the success of his household. That's, what, that's all a father's thinking about. A father's thinking about what can I do to help my children succeed? What can I do to ensure? What, what do I have to do when I wake up tomorrow to make sure that there is no failure in my children's life, in my family's life, in my household's life. That's, that's, what a, that's what an earthly father would do. Would you agree? If an earthly father would do that, how much more do you think God, our heavenly father, is thinking that? But, but, but religion would tell us that God the father is looking to punish us. That God the father is looking to just strike us as soon as we do something wrong. I, I, just, don't, I just don't see where he can be a loving father and not be totally 100% concerned about the success of his children. I'm here to submit to you today that your father loves you and indeed is concerned 100% about your success. Let me introduce you to God who is your father. Now again, he's your father and because he is God who is love, he's first of all never absent. We, we talked about some statistics earlier about the issue with unengaged or absent fathers, I need you to understand and I need you to just conclude that God will never be absent in your life. It's never that he is absent from us, but we can often be absent from him. God is always there. I'm going to say that a few more times because I know you've been through life. I know you've been through hell. I know you're hurt. I know things have happened. And you've cried out and you've said, I haven't heard him. But it's not that he wasn't speaking. It just may have been you were in a different place to hear where you couldn't hear from him. But God is always there. How do you know that? Well, I'm going to show you in his word. And that's how I know it is because his word is true. Now, I may not have been where I was supposed to be. I may not have had an ear to hear what he had to say. I may have been such in a backslidden state that I had closed myself, closed my heart off to him. But he is always seeking to speak to his children. But you don't understand all the bad things I did. All I know is Jesus sat on a cross and talked to a sinner. When Jesus was alive and walking the earth, he wasn't talking to saved people. If God wasn't interested in talking to sinners, then Jesus should have had no ministry to anybody. Because we were all sinners. God doesn't become quiet to the sinners. If anything, he becomes more expressive so that they can know his love. 
When Adam and Eve, who had committed original sin, fell into sin and, and were ultimately removed from the garden, he continued to talk to them. Cain killed Abel, and you see in a few scriptures later, he's having a full-blown conversation with God. If God talks to liars, if God talks to sinners, if God talks to murderers, what in the world makes you think he's not trying to talk to you? God is 100% there for you and will never be absent and will always be engaged in your life. Now, we've talked about that word, av. I want to talk to you about a word in the New Testament that you find that describes God as our Father, and it's Abba. Everybody say Abba. A-B-B-A. Now, this name, interestingly enough, when you study it, it, it connects right back to that word of. They're directly connected. One is just a kind of a Greek version of a word that they were using whenever there was time for prayer, and they would be talking or communing intimately with God the Father. When you see it in the Scripture, this word Abba, Father, is used. Go with me to Mark 14.36. Let's look at this in the King James, and then we'll look at it in a couple of different versions. This is Jesus praying, and he's talking to God. It says, and he said what? Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what does he say? What thou will. Let's look at this in a New Living Translation real quick. says, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not whose, not mine's. Now, I need you to stick a mental note right there because that's going to be very important to where we get to in a few moments. But what we want to look at right now is the fact that Jesus who was a man who was indeed God, was on this earth, but he had this intimate relationship with God the Father. And he called him Abba Father. Now remember that. Let's go to Romans 8, 15. Now at this point when Jesus is talking to God Abba Father, he was the only person on earth that had this ability to have this relationship with God. Mankind in general did not have this same ability. We couldn't talk directly to God like this as Abba Father. Because man had broken communion or broken fellowship with God. But thank God that he loved us so much that he provided a solution. Romans 8.15 it says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Now this is talking about us. It says, instead, you received who? Who? You received God's spirit when he did what? Adopted you as who? So this is for everyone who doesn't believe you're a child of God. This is for everyone who struggles with the idea of, is he really my father? It's saying right here in black and white, you haven't received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You're not slaves, you're children. Children have different rights than slaves. 
Children have, have, I got the blood, I got the DNA, I got the inheritance. I have a right to everything my dad has. It says instead you've received God's spirit when he adopted you. Now check this out. You didn't adopt him, he chose you. So you thinking this whole time it's about what you did or what you do. And, and I, I, you know, I, I was so, I didn't choose Buddha, I didn't choose this, I didn't choose that. I chose God. No, he chose you. All you did was accepted the invitation that he supplied through the blood of Jesus. Your father loves you so much, he, saved, he, he provided a way for you to be saved before you even accept it. See, that's the deception that the world is in right now. They believe that they got to do all this stuff to try to get right and come to God. And God's like, I've already given you the invitation. I'm just waiting for you to accept it, my child. Jesus doesn't die for people when they choose to get saved. He died for you whether you choose him or not. God doesn't adopt you when you choose to receive him. He's adopted you whether you choose to receive it or not. That's the biggest trick that the enemy is playing on people that's sending folks to hell is they're thinking God doesn't want them until they're right. God wants you in your messed up, dirty state. I'll say that again. God wants you in your messed up and dirty state. Jesus died. This thing, show me where this says when you get right, he adopts you as his children. It says he adopts you as his child just because he does it. And now, like Jesus did in the garden, you have the same opportunity to have this intimate communion with him. Now we call him Abba Father. Say, I am a child of God. Say, I am a child of God. Because he sure enough is your father. Amen? So we have an, inher we have an inheritance from him because he's our dad. And all dads lay up an inheritance. Well, at least that's what the Bible says. Look at it real quick. Uh, Proverbs 13, 22. Proverbs 13, 22. So if you've ever doubted whether God's your father, whether you're worthy or all that type of stuff, let Romans 15, I mean, sorry, uh, Romans 8, 15 be enough. You're his child. Proverbs 13, 22 says, good people leave an inheritance to their what? Grandchildren. One, one translation says, uh, good men leave an inheritance to their children's children. But the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. God, indeed, is a good father. And he's left an inheritance for you and I. Let me show you what that is. Go with me to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 1 and we're going to go down to verse 7. Galatians 4.1, what is the inheritance that God has left for us? It says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. Even though they actually own everything their father had. Why? Because they're still a child. And a loving father is not going to give a child run of the inheritance. That inheritance is $400 million, let's say. You're not going to give a 13-year-old control of $400 million, are you? No. I remember being a kid and, you know, I was like, man, I can't wait till I get $1,000 because I'm about all the ice cream I can buy. Because that's how a child thinks. I'm about all the bubble gum I can buy. 
And so it says, you know, as a child, you may, you, you, you have an inheritance, but you don't have access and control of that inheritance just yet. Let's keep reading. Verse 2. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. Now remember, this is paralleling you and I to our relationship with God. Verse 3. And that's the way it is with us when? Somebody say before. Christ came. So before Christ came, we were like children having to obey a guardian. We had an inheritance, but it wasn't available to us to use just yet. Do you see that? And this was before Christ came. This is before he went up on the cross. Let's keep reading. This gets really good. This gets really good. We were like children. We were, like, we were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. Verse 4. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to what? The law. Interesting. Verse 5. God sent him to buy freedom for us. Why did Jesus have to buy my freedom? Because your sin had a cost. This question about sin and do we just get to sin and just get away with it. No, your sin has a cost. But because of God's goodness and the blood of Jesus, it didn't cost you, but it cost him his life. He came to buy our freedom for those of us who were slaves to the law so that he could do what? This is how the adoption is legitimate. God could not adopt us in our sinful state. So he had to send his son Jesus, whose blood was shed, who bought our freedom, who made us now worthy of adoption. I'm not worthy of adoption because of how good I am. I'm worthy of adoption because of how good Jesus was. And because of what he did, and he shed his blood on the cross, his blood became the ink that signed my adoption papers. And now as a result, I am a child of God again, not because of how good I am, but because how good my father was to set up a plan and send my brother Jesus on my behalf. And now I am adopted as his very own child. I say it again, you have a father. Verse 6. And because we are his children, now pay attention, because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son where? So not only am I a child of God, not only am I welcome into the family, I literally have the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. Prompting me, reminding me of who I am. Helping me be all that I'm supposed to be. Prompting me to call out, not just God, not just creator, Abba. There's that intimate word, Abba Father. You have a unique, 
intimate, personal relationship with God that was not available before. I need you to understand, he's not just this all-powerful big being out there. This is your daddy. The same God that Jesus spent time on his knees crying out to. The same God that provided for him. The same God that instructed him. The same God that empowered him. And glory to God, the same God that raised him is your father. And because he's your dad who loves you, everything that Jesus had available to him is also the inheritance that's laid up for you. Your inheritance from God is an abundant, powerful life. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Verse 7. It says, now you are no longer a slave, but what? God's own child. And since you are whose child? Since you are his child, God has made you, don't be scared to say it. You, you're an heir of who? Hold on. Are you telling me the creator of the universe, are you telling me Jehovah, are you telling me the healer, the all-powerful, all-knowing one, I'm his kid. And not only am I his kid, I have accessible right to all that he has provided, to all that he is. Now, you got to understand what an heir is. He could have used any other word, but he said an heir. What is an heir? An heir is like when a king dies and leaves. The next in line takes the throne of power. And I need you to understand what this is talking about. What it's saying is, and people are scared to say it, what it's saying is it goes back to what Jesus said when he said, greater works will you do. See, the king of kings was here on earth physically. But then he went to heaven and he sat down at the right hand of the father. And now he's advocating for us there and he left us in a position of authority and power living on the inside of us teaching us and guiding us and leading us, but you and me, we're the heirs of God operating in this world. And the same authority and the same power that Jesus had while here, you and me have that. So you know what? Sickness ain't got nothing on you. Poverty ain't got nothing on you. Confusion and depression cannot hold you back. You are a king's kid, and not only that, you are an heir of the king, and as a result, are kings yourself. I'll go ahead and say it, you are gods in this world. I can't be an heir of God. I can't be an heir of God and not be a god. Oh, people are scared to say it. Oh, are you saying you're God? I'm absolutely saying that according to this word, God, God, God. If I was an heir of a dog, I'd be a dog. If I was an heir of a cat, I'd be a cat. If I was an heir of a king, I would be a king. So why are we scared to say that I'm an heir of God, which makes me a God in this world? Oh, are you going to put a little G on it? I don't care what capitalization you put on it. It doesn't change who you are. 
You are king's kids, gods of this world. Not because I say so. He said so. Remember what we started off talking about. The insecurity comes from a lack of understanding your identity. Your father has provided this for you, whether you use it or not. And the devil's working overtime to make sure you stay away from this truth. Trying to make you think what Jesus did wasn't strong enough. That you still got to work for. Show me in what I've seen, show, showed you so far, where it said you had to work for this. Where you had to be perfect for it. You can't be perfect for it. That's what Jesus did. Now your, I'm getting ahead of myself, but now your steps will be ordered by God and as a result should keep your foot away from sin. I, don't tell me you're, you're following God and walking with God and you love him and you're, you're a child of him and you're a God on this world and all this type of stuff and you bust from hell wide open. I mean, I know there's a disconnect somewhere. But we'll talk about that in a minute. This is who you are. This is your inheritance from him. And the sooner we learn this and the sooner we believe it, the quicker we'll be able to walk in it. If you understand what I'm saying, say Amen. I've got to calm myself down so we can make it through this. Amen. So we have inherited abundant life from God our Father. We are indeed sons. We are indeed kings. We are indeed gods. Our sonship is our anointing and our access to our Father. It's not your works. It's your sonship. There's something about that title that I am a son that has entitled me to all that he's made available. Let's go to Ephesians 2, chapter 1. Sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to go up to uh, verse 10. We're going to stay in the NLT. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Once you were dead. Once you were disconnected from him. Verse 2. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who what? Refuse to obey God. That's why I said you can't tell me you're, you're busting hell right open, refusing to obey God, and then say, oh, I'm a Christian. No, we're going we we to need to check your salvation. It's just real talk, because if you say that he's on the inside, fruit should be being produced. And if you're producing fruit of the devil, then somebody lied to you. You, 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 not... Y'all, I only got so much time. I can already say it. Can I just be straight up? You ain't saved. You think you are because you signed a roll. You think you are because you came down to the front and, and said a few words, you know, that was like abracadabra, but it's not magic. This is a relationship. You think you saved because you're the highest giver in the church. You think you saved because you sing in the choir. You think you saved because you're a deacon. You think you saved because you never missed a service. Those works are decent works, but they do not save you. It's only a relationship with Jesus that will save you, and there should be fruit in your life that lines up with the decision that you've made. Now, I'm not preaching works. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there should be some fruit that matches your root. Amen? Amen. We'll come back to that. 
Some of y'all ain't ready for that yet. Okay, amen. <laughs> Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3. All of us, all of us, even that super safe person, all of us used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. So I don't care how safe somebody is. I don't care how much they look like it got together. They got a pass just like everybody else. So don't ever let nobody make you feel bad for your process that you're going through. You working on it and God's working in you and so don't worry about what everybody else is doing and what everybody else look like. And if you go into a church or at a place that's making you feel bad for, for who's working on the inside of you and the process you're going through, I encourage you to run away from that place as fast as you can and get yourself to a place that's going to teach you who you are in Christ. Did he just say that? I absolutely said that we got to stop playing church. We got to stop acting like that some Christians are better than others. You've been saved for 57 years. You ought to have something together by now. And yet you're looking down on a guy or a gal who's been saved for two weeks because they're still smoking weed or they're still drinking this or they're still doing that. God hasn't renewed their, the, the renewing of the mind has not happened yet. Where, where did this lie come from that I get saved and all of a sudden all the taste just falls out of everything? It didn't happen that way for you, so stop trying to make everybody else think it happened that it should happen that way for them. Let's stop lying to people. That's why people leave church, because they think they're not saved. You got people sitting in the pews who think they're saved, because they're doing all the right things, and you got people who are saved, who have a relationship with God, who love him, but are failing in different areas of their life because God's still working on them, and they're still learning. So you got them leaving the church, and the other ones filling the pews. No, it should be the other way around. We should be the mature ones who know who we are in God, and we should be helping the other ones alone who are the immature young ones and saying, listen, baby, we know you're struggling. We know you just failed, but God still lives on the inside of you. We got to show them Romans 12 too that says he's the one that transforms and renews our thinking. All of us used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger back then, just like everyone else. Verse 4. Somebody say, but God. But God. Reg talked about it a little earlier about the but. The but, the but for the believer is becoming the best part. Because <laughs> all that was true, but God. Is so rich in his mercy you got to know what words mean when it comes to the Bible. Mercy means you deserve the punishment, but you ain't going to get it. But God is so rich in his mercy, and he loved us so much. I see a God looking past the failures. I see a God looking past the mistakes. I see a God looking past you, and instead he's seen the blood of Jesus. Verse 5. That even though we were dead, death is not the end for the believer. Two of you got that. See, you're so used to them saying you evicted and that's the end. You're so used to them saying you fired and that's the end. You're so used to them saying you got cancer and that's the end. Death is not the end for the believer. There is God who is greater than any end that man could come up with. 
even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when you acted right. When you gave more in church. When he raised Christ from the dead. This was God fixing your problem with his son on your behalf. I'll say that again. This was God fixing your relationship, your sonship, your inheritance problem, but he couldn't trust us. So he had to send his son because he as a father is concerned about his household and its success. So he said, I got to come up with a foolproof plan, foolproof plan <laughs> to fix this problem. And it's my son, Jesus. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's what? Ah, there you go talking about that grace stuff. Uh, it is only by God's grace that we can be saved. It ain't by nothing else. Now your faith helps you receive what grace is made available, but grace, his favor is the only reason why you and I get to call him Abba. Verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. <laughs> this part make you want to kick these speakers over. <laughs> Somebody say and. and. He could have just stopped at making sure we can go to heaven. He could have just stopped at making sure we wouldn't go to hell. But he didn't just give you access. He gave you authority. And your authority doesn't come by your works. Your authority comes by the same thing that gives you access. Jesus. For he raised Christ from the dead along with Christ, uh, raised us from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united. You are in the same family with Christ Jesus. Wait a minute. Now, I'm an inheritor or an heir of God. I'm seated with Jesus. How can I lose? And my father has made all this available to me. That sounds like a good, good father. Verse 7, we ain't even got to 10 yet. Verse 7. So God can point to us. I don't know what that is. But in all future ages, in all future ages, that means this time right now too, for the people who say, well, that's, just, that's just for back then. You and me weren't alive when this was written. So he covered it forever in the future. He can point to us for all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Whew. Verse 8. God, God, God saved you. By his grace. What's my part? 
oh, wait, 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 I thought it was when I went to church. I thought I was when I didn't sin for one year consecutively. No, he saved you when you believed. Do I have any believers in the house? So you therefore have all that he's made available to you. But what do I do with my imperfection? That's what you give to him. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. When the last time somebody called you a masterpiece? <laughs> we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. It didn't say he was creating you anew. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do, now here's the, after all of this, now here comes the works part. Your works doesn't save you. Your works doesn't deliver you. Your works doesn't resave you. It is only once you believe in the finished works of Jesus, and once you believe who you are, and once you receive your inheritance, now it's works time. Your works have nothing to do with you. You're made anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can just maintain our salvation that ain't going nowhere? So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Your father has plans for you. Now, see, we used to hear that back in the day, and we were like, oh, yeah, he got plans for me so I can become a doctor and I can be rich. Or he has plans for me so I can do the no. No, 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 no. No, you got to understand all is well concerning you. He has plans for you to go out in this world and walk in your godship, in your sonship, so that the world who does not know him can be saved. That's the plans he has for you. The works that you are to do has nothing to do with getting you saved, but has everything to do with getting those dying, hurting people in your family, on your jobs, at your school, in your communities, in your neighborhoods, on your street. It has everything to do. He has planned good works for you to go out into this world and do what Jesus did. Preach the gospel, the good news, what I'm telling you today, to every creature. That's the work we're supposed to be doing. But the devil is working overtime trying to get us to believe that we have to work like sinners to try to be saved. You're saved. Your father has taken care of that for you. It is time to accept what he has done so that we can move forward in what he has planned for us to do. There are many people in this world who die never having seen the other side of what God has planned for their lives. They struggle for 80, 90 years in just trying to be saved. Not realizing there was a whole other thing that happened after the cross. 
I say it all the time, I praise God for the cross. Without Jesus, you see, without Jesus, none of this would even exist. But there was work to do after the cross. And that is now the job of every God, every king's kid, every son who is here on earth. You got all that power and it ain't being used. You got all that ability and it ain't being tapped into. You got all that anointing, all those words of wisdom, all those words of knowledge, all that gift of healing, all those things that the Holy Spirit is put on the inside of you and it's laying dormant because you have yet to go out and get involved as a child of God. See, we've stopped at the revelation that we're a child of God and so everything is well in my life. That's just part one. Part two is, I'm a child of God, so I should be out there acting like it. Oh, no, 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 not living perfect, that's going to happen. Acting like it, meaning, what did Jesus do when he was here? I'm talking about healing some people. I'm talking about raising some folk from the dead. I'm talking about walking on some water. I'm talking about speaking to some storms. I'm talking about supernatural acts so that people can see who God really is. That's what the children of God are supposed to be doing. And see, a lot of people ain't ready for this. They're like, Lord, he's talking science, science fiction up there. Well, well, I mean, that's what some people think it is. Can you imagine what they thought about Jesus when he was doing all this stuff? But I'm, all I know is at the end of the day, his life and his actions saved the world. And this power, this anointing, this inheritance is not just set aside for a few people. Show me where it just said this was just for Smith Wigglesworth. Think, now think about this. Show me where it said this was just for Oral Roberts or Kathleen Kuhlman. Show me where it just said this was just for the Creflo Dollar and Benny Hinn. Show me where, it, 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 it didn't say it. It's for all God's children. What if all God's children started walking in the anointing that they had? What if we got our eyes off of people and being oohed and odd and realized that the same Christ lives in you? Then the seven billion or so people who are on this world would all experience the power of God. And then we can go and get on up out of here and get to really living. I ain't going to finish this today, but that's all right. I ain't even got back to the peas yet. He's our projector and our provider. And, uh, our Father has given us a way to believe, to start to be alive in Christ because he is simply good, not because we are. As the Father of Christians, Christians are those of us who through Christ, have been exalted to a specially close and intimate relationship with God. That's us. As the father of Christians, we, uh, he, as he's our father, we no longer dread him as a stern judge of us, as we are no longer sinners. You ain't no longer a sinner. Don't mistake what you have done to be who you are. Either you're saved or you're not. Well, what do I, what do I, what do you mean? I, I do make mistakes. Well, that's why he's working on the inside of you to change that. Yeah. 
that's just like a, that's like a kid who's taking a test at school who doesn't get it perfect every time. All of a sudden, you're going to kick that kid out of school? I like what she just said. He's still a student. But, but we, we confuse. No, you can be perfect. You can be perfect. When was the last time you were perfect? Why are you preaching that and, and speaking that? You're a human being. You live in a fleshy body. And at the same time, you do have a residue on you that it takes the renewal of God to get on that mind to help scrub the mess off of you. And as you allow him to do his job, then yes, you mature and you make less and less, less error. And if you are a believer, you're going to want to do that. If you really ain't saved, you ain't going to care about that. That's what I was referring to earlier about check your salvation. I don't care. I can do what I want to do. You ain't saved. How you going to tell me about my relationship with God? I'm just looking at the fruit. And I ain't going to lie to you. You ain't going to get to hell and be like, Archie didn't tell me. I'm going to be like, yes, I did. You's a lie. I told you on June 16th, 2019, that if ain't no fruit coming off of there, you need to go back and, 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 and try it again because it didn't take. But for the person who loves God and knows God and, 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 and man, they're, they're, they're literally like, I believe this, and then they make a mistake, that, that doesn't mean all of a sudden you're not saved. That doesn't mean you're a sinner. Because to not be saved means you're a sinner. You fall into that bracket that says you're saved, but I always say, I say it like this, you're in a process. Go, go real quickly to Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2. Let me show you this. Uh, in the, oh, I think it's the Amplified version that explains it. Yeah, Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the Amplified. Let me show you this real quick. I think this is the version. Let's see. It says, appeal, uh, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, many of us have heard this, presenting all your members and faculty as a living sacrifice. Don't sin, don't do nothing. You bet not. That's how we've heard it and been taught. This is the perfection scripture. As a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, it just makes sense, you should just do this because of all he's done for you, your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. But you got to read verse 2 with this. Do not, somebody say do not. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the how? Entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, if you're like me, I've read this a million times. It's like, man, I, I got to get together. I got I to do better. I got to renew my mind. I got to, I got to study this word even more so that somehow, magically, I'll just get better. But then, thank God for different versions of the word that break something down even more. Let's go to, I think it's the New Living Translation, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let who? That's how the transforming happens. Let God transform you, yes, by studying his word, 
Yes, by being in church. Yes, by believing in what he says. But it's not me who does the transforming. It's God, my father. Look at him. He got my back again. But let God transform you into a new person. Well, it makes sense because we just read in other scripture, he's the one that makes me anew. It's not by my works. It's again by his. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So let's pause for a second. Who changes the way I think? I'll ask you again. Who changes the way I think? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Whose responsibility is it to change the way I think? Who has the power to change the way I think? So what are you doing? You're resting in the fact that he will do what he said he's going to do. When the stuff pops up in your life and you're like, Man, I don't want to be this way. I don't want to think this way. I don't want to live this way. Sure enough, now is the time for you now to listen to the Holy Spirit. This is why you have to have a relationship with your father. To now listen to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, he's your helper. He's your teacher. And then he'll say, go to this scripture. That's why you got to know your word. See, we're talking about being mature believers. It ain't called, pastor, help me. I'm going to say, you got greater help than me on the inside of you. What did he say? Well, I don't know. Well, go talk to him. Because he's the one that's going to transform your thinking. The word of God, the Bible, is the sword of the spirit. It's Holy Spirit sword. He knows how to use it better than any of us. And he'll tell you for your specific situation how to use it to cut the crap off of your life. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And once he changes the way you think, once he transforms you, then you will learn to know. A lot of people haven't got here and you're seeing sin in their life. Doesn't make them sinners per se, but you're seeing sin in their life because the transformation is still in process. And we don't want to allow that in church. We don't want to allow people to sit in these pews who are still being transformed. But guess what? You're still being transformed too. Amen. No, Archie, that's not true. I don't sin anymore. See, that's why Jesus said what he said to those folks that was asking him about adultery. And they was like, you know, is adultery and divorce and all this stuff, is it okay? And, he, and Jesus went one step further. He was like, it's not even about just what you do with your body. He said, if you even think about a woman in a wrong way, you've committed the act. Because he, he was talking to the religious folk, if you study that out. Because people were trying to act like people today. Well, I, I, I've, I've never cheated. I've never done it. Did you look at a woman and have a lustful thought? Then you did it. You need some washing and renewing with your dirty mind. See, we can see what you do, but we don't know what you're thinking. And there's people sitting in the pews judging other people because they still got a doing problem and a thinking problem. And you've grown to the point, praise God, that you're not doing, but you're still working on the thinking. So don't sit up here and judge for, because they're in the process. He's still changing you. And thank God for his mercy that it talked about in verse 1. This is about the mercies of God. That's why you can't read verse 1 without verse 2. 
all that presenting my body and all of that, it comes when he transforms me. We got to stop preaching to teenagers and especially young adults that you're just supposed to be. They're like, I'm trying, but I, I can't do it because we're leaving out the rest of it. God will change you. So let me stop preaching the do's and, and all these don'ts and let me preach relationship. Let me preach having a relationship with God and then not having sex, not, not uh, uh, being on drugs, uh, not doing all this crazy stuff. It'll be a result. It'll be the fruit. Because I'm giving them the answer, and the answer is knowing their Father. He says, then you will learn to, learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I don't know about you, but man, this stuff is revealing to me that I've had this backwards for so long. The responsibility of all the doing is on my father. And, and you know what? He's already done it all. And all that's why we say, repeat this after me, all is well, all is well. in my life. life. Hmm. Y'all getting warm, is that just annoying? I'm hot. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> So I don't know what that is, but praise God. All right, let's finish this up. So God is my father. Do you, do you see that now? We are his. Do you see that now? Let's talk very quickly about the fact that he's our projector. Now, this projector that you're seeing right here, it does what? It casts an image so that you can see it. God is the source of what's playing, and he's also the instrument that shows us all what he sees and has for our lives. That's often what a father does. A father casts vision for his family. And that's what God does for you and me. If you're looking for purpose, if you're looking to know what it is you're supposed to do, go to your father. He already, you, you don't have to figure it out. He already knows. And guess what? His vision never ends for your life. Again, we got to say this more and more in church. I see older Christians, I mean, those who are older in age, they get to a certain age and then things begin, they begin to struggle in different areas and, and we stop telling them that God has a solution for where you are right now in life. The older I'm getting at, at 40, going on 43 now, I'm seeing older believers who love God, who just think that where they are in life, financially and physically and all that, is just how it's going to be. And I say, that's a lie from the pit of hell. God still has ways for you to be financially secure. You don't have to just wait for a check from the government to do what you need to do. You don't just have to just work some job. You don't just have to just, well, this is just, this is, well, you know what? When we were younger, we didn't save. Well, you got God, your father, who can tell you what it is you need to do. If he'll do it for the 20-something-year-old, he'll show enough do it for the 70-year-old. He is not a respecter of persons. God has a vision for your entire life. And everything that concerns you, he has an answer for. Amen? So if you're ever lacking wisdom or you're ever lacking vision and purpose, then you need to go to Abba Father. And he will speak to you and tell you and reveal to you everything he has prepared for you. Let me show you this in the word real quick. Jeremiah 1.5. Uh, let's look at this in the King James. Y'all got there quick, hold on. It says, I knew, uh, before I formed you in the belly, I what? Say this with me. Say, God knows me. God knows. He knows you now, and he definitely knew you before. 
I knew thee, and before thou camest forth, out of your mama's womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet. He's talking to Jeremiah. He said, I had your call figured out before you were even formed and before you came into this world. I use the scripture a lot to tell people and to tell children of God that he has a plan for you and he knows exactly what it is he wants you to do in life. That's no matter what age or no matter what place you are in life, God has a projected future for you, amen? God has a purpose and vision for each and every one of us and so we have to find identity not in what we think but in what he's showing us. Find identity in God based on what he's created you to do. Find identity in God as his child. Find identity as a saved saint who is saved because of the grace of God. Find identity as the righteousness of God because of the finished and the continual works of Jesus, not because of your self-effort. If I, if I look at it through my self-effort, I'll constantly keep thinking that all that God has provided for me is not available. Why do you say that, Archie? Because we fail. And the moment we fail, we tell ourselves, I no longer have access to him. And that's a lie. Because of grace, you never lose your access to God. You ever see that people fail in life and then they leave church? Why? Because they're ashamed. Because they think they've let God down. People get a divorce and, and, and that's not like the last time you see them in church. People have a, a legal problem and they disappear. People have a court case or something that happens and they run from church. People have a baby out of wedlock and, and they're gone. Why? Because we're conditioned to think that incorrect behavior or sinful behavior then disqualifies us from being around God and the things of God. And that's just a lie from the pit of hell. God still loves you. The last thing you need to do is run from him. Instead, you need to run to him. He has not disowned you. He has not disowned you. He has accepted you as you are. And he's the one that will get you through what you're now going through. Amen. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So i got to find identity based on him. Who we are is based on who he is, not who we were or what we've done. I'll say that again. Who we are is based on who he is, not who we were or what we have done. God is indeed love. So we can be secure, he has provided good, as it says in James, and perfect things for us. And that he's not lying to us, and he's not taking any of it back. Thank God, with God, there is no take backsies. Amen? God says, it's yours. And I have no interest in taking it back. Now, i got to know this about him. Knowing who he is secures my thinking concerning who I am. Knowing who he is secures my thinking concerning what I have. It's like a kid who's an orphan and doesn't know that his parents are the richest people in a country. If I don't know them, 
I don't know what I have. But we are no longer orphans. We have been adopted. Some scriptures talk about the fact that we are engrafted into the family of God. And so I have to know who he is and then I'll know exactly what I have. So he's my projector, amen? He'll give me instructions. He'll also correct me, amen? He will correct us. Now, how does he correct us? He will correct us in line with his word and in line with who he is. Now, as a child, a mature child, I sh how many of you guys know it's good for me to listen to that correction? I said, how many of you guys know it's good for me to listen to that correction? My dad used to yell out, my biological dad used to yell out all the time, um, hot. I, I don't know what I was touching so much when I was a kid, but I remember that word over and over and over again. So apparently I was pretty hard-headed. But he would yell out hot. And I'll never forget one day I was about to touch a wall that had wet paint on it, and he said hot, and I, I didn't touch it. His voice was bringing correction not to hurt me or to punish me, but to help me. And you got to understand that's what the voice of God does as he's your projector and he projects his voice into, his, into your life. He will do so via correction, but it is not to try to hurt you. God is not interested in punishing you. Jesus took all the punishment on your behalf. So you don't have to be scared to go talk to God. That's why some people don't pray. They don't pray because they're scared God's about to get on me. No, 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 no. He's gonna, he may correct you, but it's to help you. He'll correct, he'll, don't marry that joker. Don't take that job. Don't move there. Don't discipline your child that way. He may give you those things, but it's to help you, not to punish you. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So he, he is love, and he corrects us according, uh, not as a form of punishment, but to help us. His word and acts of love corrects us as believers. Now, he's not only our projector, but he is indeed our provider who has prepared things for us. We talked about this a second ago. Go to Philippians uh, 4.8 with me. Philippians 4.8. It says, finally, brethren, uh, I mean, not 4.8. Uh, oh, shoot, I forgot the scripture. Go to Psalms 37.4. He has provided things for us, but in order for us to gain access, Psalms 37.4, there's a sequence, if you will, that has to take place. It says, delight thyself also in who? And he shall do what? Give you the desires of what? Of your heart. Now, God will give you the desires of your heart, but only after I do what? What does it mean to delight myself in him? That simply means when my way becomes what he wants, I can have what I want to have. Now think about that real quick. I want to make sure you get this. When I delight myself in him, I want what he wants. And when I want what he wants, he's willing to give it to me. Whatever I want for my life needs to line up with what God wants in order for me to then have it. Think about it with your children. Your child wants chocolate for dinner 
How many of y'all know you ain't giving your child every night chocolate for dinner? That's the desire of their heart, but are they going to get that? Not if you're a good parent. So for them to delight themselves in what you want is to say, I want what you're cooking. And when I want what you're cooking, I'm sure enough going to give it to you because I know this is good for you. God has prepared very specific things for us, but it is up to us, as it was talking about in Romans 12 too, for us to allow ourselves to be transformed in our thinking to want what he wants for our lives, then we'll know what he wants us to do. Many people are sitting around saying, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't have any direction. Well, first of all, have you allowed him to change the way you think? Number one, has he transformed your thinking? But then number two, are you now delighting in what he's telling you? I'm hearing what he's saying, but am I willing to receive it? Am I willing to let him be Lord? Because if so, I will have all that I need. God has prepared specific things for us. Why? Because he's a good father, and that's what good dads do. Go to Ephesians, uh, sorry, go to John 15. John 15, verse 5. We're going to read 5 and 8. John 15, verses 5 and 8. Now, this is kind of what we were talking about earlier. I said we're going to, we were going to get to it. It says, I am the vine, ye are the, what? Branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much. There's that fruit. See, as I'm in him, I'll produce the fruit. So I can't say I'm in him and I'm not producing fruit. Amen? Amen. For without, but, but here's, but, but this is so important. For without me, Jesus is saying you can't do nothing. It's still from him. I get in him and then I can produce. I was, never to design, I was never designed to produce good works without Christ. It's only with him. It's only in him. Go to verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear what? Much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. He has prepared good works for us to do. We don't have to come up with what to do on our own. All we have to do is be in him. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Go to Hebrews 13.5 in the Amplified. So that's our pro projector. He's our provider. He's also our protector. Hebrews 13.5. In the Amplified it says, let your character or more disposition be free from what? Love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. And be satisfied with your present circumstances with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way do what? Fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not. I will not. So for the people that told you God left you because you made a mistake, they're lying. Verse 5 says, I will not in any degree leave you what? Helpless nor forsake you, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. God is your protector, and he will never be absent from you. Why not? Because absent protection is not active protection. God the Father cannot be the protector without being there. By definition, if he is your protector, he has to be there to protect you. 
His, he never takes that title off. So the activity never ceases. You are always protected by God your Father. Romans 8, 37 through 39 clearly talks about the fact that nothing can separate us from his love. Not a thing that comes up will take you away from God. Go to it real quick, guys. Romans 8, 37 uh, in the uh, New Living Translation. Y'all still good? Amen. It says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours. Say, I'm victorious. Overwhelming victory is ours, but through what? My works? No, through what he did, through Christ. Wow. Just because he loves us. Verse 38. And I am convinced, Paul is saying, that nothing, no thing, can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Whoa, wait a minute. Even when my thinking ain't the way it's 100% supposed to be, God still loves me? Uh-huh. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. 39. No power in the sky above or in the earth below indeed. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. That is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now here's what you should hear when you're seeing this. Not just that God loves you. Remember all that stuff we've read so far that's available to us because of God's love? That means that stuff will never be unavailable to you because his love will always be available to you. And as long as God loves you, you're saved. As long as God loves you, you're healed. As long as God loves you, you're delivered. As long as God loves you, Christ is effective in your life. His love will never fail. Therefore, he will never fail. And all that's available in your life will never cease. That's some good news. What P was that? Yeah, he's our protector. Thank you, brother. The technology and stuff keep cutting off. Go to 1 John 2. <laughs> 1 John 2, verse 2. It says, he himself is the sacrifice, he's talking about Jesus, that atones for our sins. Your work's going to do it. Only the blood of Jesus will. And not only our sins, but the sins of all of what? That's your cousins, that's everybody else who ain't saved. Stop, stop looking down on everybody. They still got a drinking problem, they still going through some stuff, everything like that. You know what? Jesus died for them too. Amen. So he's our projector, provider, protector. Last one, he is our producer. Now, I actually added this one. I added this one last minute because when I was going through the definitions of the word father, it actually said producer, and I thought that was very interesting. I was like, what? how is producer in the biblical definition of a father? But then I looked at a few scriptures, and I got what it meant. Go to Isaiah, uh, sorry, go back to Romans 12, 2 in the New Living Translation. 
It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, changing the way you think. Then you'll know his will for you and what is good and pleasing and perfect. It's very interesting because God is the one who produces transformation in our life. He's the producer. As our father, he's the one. Think about fruit being produced on a tree. He's the producer of change and transformation. Go to Isaiah 64.4 in the Amplified. Isaiah 64.4 in the Amplified. It says, for since the world began, no ear has heard. Uh, thank you. For from of old, no one has heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen a God beside you. Who, as God, works and shows himself active on behalf of him who earnestly waits for him. God produces for those who will trust him. I submit to you that God is indeed the producer of all the good in your life. Everything that's good in your life came from him and his love. Every bit of it. Not of our works, but he loved us so much that he sent Jesus. Jesus now was the vehicle of his goodness. Jesus' grace only came to earth. Why? Because God the Father sent him. That's why I say that God is indeed the source of all the good or the producer of all the good in our lives. So how many of you guys know it is indeed important if you want to know what he's produced for you, it's imperative to know who he is. I said at the beginning of this message as we now get ready to close that I wanted you to know who he was so that it could help any identity or insecurity issue that you may have. So the first thing I need you to understand is that God simply is. He is, as we would say, the great I am. Some of you have heard me say this before. He is also Hakadosh Barakh Hu, which is the Holy One, blessed be He. He is Adonai, my Lord. He is Elohim. He is El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. He is El Elyon, the Most High God. This is your Father. He is Yahweh, the Lord Jehovah. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will provide. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. He is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. He is Jehovah Shalom, your peace, and you have nothing missing, lacking, or broken. He is Jehovah Raha, your shepherd. He is Jehovah Tesitkanu, your righteousness. He is Jehovah Mekedeshkem, the Lord who sanctifies you. He is Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. He is El Olam, the everlasting God. As I said earlier, he is the great I Am. He is the planner of your redemption. He is the creator and the administrator of the grace that he has in your life. He is your supply. He is the giver of joy that is your strength. He is forever in love with you. And as we've read several times today, he is Abba, your father. It is imperative that we know God, our father. As we honor dads today, I don't want us just to honor dads, but I want us to honor the father of all fathers for his love, for his sacrifice of his only son, Jesus. And neither of those are failing. He's laid up an inheritance of abundant life for each and every one of us. We need to be secure in who we are today as sons and daughters of God. We need to be secure in our salvation today. 
We need to be secure in what God's great plan of redemption through grace freely gives us all today. We need to be secure in our Father's love. We need to be secure in his acceptance of all of us today. Know this, that God has you in his hand. And there is nothing that's going to pluck you out. Isaiah 41.10, we don't have to turn there. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.13 says, for I, the Lord, your God, hold, you, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. Isaiah 49.16 says, behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. John 10.29 says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. John 10, 28 says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Psalms 139, 10 says, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Psalm 16, 11 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hands, which is so interesting because that's where we're seated. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I submit to you today that there's nothing to be insecure about. There's nothing to feel inferior about. Your father God has set you up for pleasures forevermore. The only thing you need to do is accept and believe what he's made available to you. So I ask this for the last time today. Where are the sons and the daughters of God in the house? Amen. Amen. So as you go throughout the rest of this day honoring earthly fathers, make sure you just continuously take a moment to honor our Heavenly Father. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for just getting to know who you are as our Father. We thank you for the inheritance that you've left for us, the inheritance of salvation by grace through faith. We also accept the responsibility to do the works that you have planned out and laid out before us. We thank you that as we continuously are transformed in our thinking and get to know your will for our lives, we will perform your works in this world. And Lord, we're careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for the victory that comes as a result of all of this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Praise God. Well, um, we're going to go ahead and prepare for our uh, time of giving. If you need to offer an envelope, you can raise your hands. Or I think they're in front of the pew. Uh, if you're giving by text, we're going to pop it up on the screen. Uh, as you sow today, sow as God directs you. Sow as he leads you. If, you're, if you tithe, praise God. Tithe like Abraham did, just honoring God. 
because you're already blessed. Amen. Um, and trust them. As people are preparing uh, their gifts and their seed, also I want you to begin to consider if you're not saved in this room and you want to receive what Abba Father has made available to you, you can be saved today. Or maybe you're saying, I'm already saved, but I haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, the power of God up on me to do the works we're talking about. Uh, then that, that also, when we call for it in a moment, can be what you receive. And last but not least, if you don't have a good church home, uh, we would love to have you here if this is where God has called you to, where you can be a part of this wonderful journey this wonderful vision of being world changers, helping people understand grace so that they're empowered to change. Uh, that's what we're all about here, and we would love for you to be a part. Um, so I trust that you have done everything you're going to do with those offerings. Let's go ahead and just raise those, or if you are given by text, you can use your phone. Uh, Father God, we thank and praise you for the seed that we're sowing right now. Uh, we declare in agreement with your word that we are blessed. So we thank you that this seed is going into the ground, and it is good ground here. And that every need that the church has, every need that our outreach has, is taken care of and met. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for the results that come from this seed. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, you may serve the people. Now, if you're in this room and, like I said, any of those other three things apply to you, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to simply uh, stand to your feet and I want you to come down here to the front. We want to pray with and for you if you are not saved if you uh, haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues, or if you want to join the church. Now, you don't have to be afraid. Don't be ashamed. We all have had to make one of those three decisions uh, as members of this ministry. Don't, whatever you do, don't sit there and leave out the same way you came in. Let us minister to you and make sure that you get all that you need from God today. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet with me really quickly. If anyone around you needs prayer for any one of those things, ask them real quick. Help them come down here to the front so we can pray with them for them. If they're good, rejoice with them. But the last thing we want to do is leave out of here without encouraging people to get all they need from God. So go ahead and turn to your left, right, front, and behind and minister to those who are around you. Ask them if they need prayer for any one of those things. If they say yes, help them come down to the front. Got a hand clap of praise. Looks like everybody's all good. Amen. Well, I hope you got something out of that today, man. It was so fun uh, hanging out with you this morning. Uh, don't forget we're back here on Wednesday night. Uh, we'll be diving more into our message on receiving the peace of Jesus. Uh, go out, have a good time today. Enjoy one another. Don't let nobody mess up with your chemicals and get on your nerves. Just have a good time and trust in God. Amen. Amen. Raise your hands as we prepare to be dismissed. Father, we thank you for choosing us. We thank you for being our Father today. And we celebrate you the most throughout this great day. 
now unto him who is able to prevent us uh, present us as faultless and keep us from falling before the almighty God. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Father, we thank you for your grace all over our lives as we leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 We love you guys so much. You are dismissed. <laughs>